Welcome to Marx's Voice, bringing you ideas and analysis from Socialist Appeal, the Marxist voice of labour and youth. For regular updates, subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes or any major podcast provider. Or visit our website at www.socialist.net where you can donate and subscribe to our paper online and help support us in the struggle for socialism. Tonight on the show, after a couple of weeks break, we're going to be discussing the recent events inside the Labour Party, and in particular, the sacking of Rebecca Long-Bailey, RLB, who was fired last week for uh, trumped-up charges of anti-Semitism or sharing anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. And this really uh, is a declaration of war by the Labour leadership, by the Labour right wing on the left, uh, Rebecca Long-Bailey, was obviously uh, a leading figure on the Labour left. And uh, here now you've got Keir Starmer declaring war on the left by sacking Rebecca Long-Bailey on these trumped-up charges. And that's what we're going to be discussing tonight, why this has happened, what it represents, and most importantly, how Labour members can fight back uh, against these kind of uh, shenanigans. Uh, joining us tonight uh, is going to be Joe Attard, uh, a uh, Labour activist and regular Socialist Appeal writer who's a Labour member in Ealing and uh, Ealing Central and Acton CLP. And I'll be bringing in Joe in a minute just to give, get his thoughts on these latest events. Uh, in the meantime, of course, uh, remember to, if you're not already, follow us on the social media accounts, like and subscribe over on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. And of course, subscribe to our podcast, Marxist Voice, for theory, history and current events. Uh, And of course, if you want to get more involved in Socialist Appeal on the back of tonight's discussion, please head over to the website socialist.net where you can join, you can subscribe and you can, of course, donate and help us in the struggle for socialism. Now, without further ado, let me bring in Joe. Hang on a sec. Joe, hi there. How are you doing? Very well. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, you can hear us okay, everyone? Yep, loud and clear. Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, you've written regularly on the Labour Party for Socialist Appeal. And uh, and in fact, uh, I'm just going to show the viewers uh, the latest article of yours uh, that they can see on the website, socialist.net. Long Bailey sacking, mobilise against Blairite aggression. This uh, was the, the, the title of the article that you wrote last Thursday in response to the sacking of RLB Uh, announced on uh, Thursday last week. Um, Can you, for those who haven't yet had a chance to read the article or haven't necessarily followed the news in the last few days, can you just outline a bit uh, exactly what has happened, basically? What was RLB sacked for? uh, What's been taking place? Certainly. Well, as you say, on Thursday, um, Rebecca Long-Bailey shared an interview Um, by the independent newspaper with the actor and Corbyn supporter Maxine Peake. Um, Maxine discusses a number of different things in this article, but amongst them um, was the ongoing Black Lives Matter protests that are currently rocking the world, uh, starting in America after a police officer uh, knelt on the neck of George Floyd, an unarmed black man uh, who um, sadly strangled to death. And in this article, she made the claim that that particular move, the knee on the neck that killed George Floyd, 
was taught to the American police by the Israeli secret services that the American police go to Israel to attend seminars on restraint procedures and uh, riot control. And that's where um, they picked up this move. And the article originally corroborated her claim by citing an Amnesty International report from 2016 that talked about the police and the states going to Israel to learn um, crowd control methods and basically saying that given the terrible brutality of the Israeli police and secret services meet out an army as well against uh, the Palestinians um, and given the frequent human rights abuses that the Israeli uh, armed forces and police have been accused of, um, this, this, should be, this should be resisted and condemned. The um, report didn't, however, say that that particular technique that killed George Floyd was taught to the American police. And that's why these comments are being um, characterized as an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Personally, I don't know about you, but I think that when we're talking about splitting hairs over which brutal states taught which brutal restraint procedure to whom, um, it rather misses the point. And a particularly Kafka-esque twist, The Independent that same day released another article describing Peake's comments, which it had previously, hours before, published without comment as an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Uh, you really couldn't make it up. Um, so Recalon Bailey was um, uh, tweeted, uh, the article retweeted the article with the comment, I think Maxine is a diamond, something fairly nondescript. Mm. And uh, she was told to take it down by the leadership office. She asked if she could clarify it instead. Uh, that was initially agreed. Um, but later on, she was told, no, she had to take down the whole thing. And she said, well, I can't just retract my um, support for Maxine's comments on the Labour Party and Jeremy Corbyn without clarification. And as a result of, of, of that, she was immediately sacked. And that really contrasts that quite prompt firing with the fact that we're months down the line from the uh, Labour League's report, which showed the shenanigans going on where the right wing prevented Labour from winning in 2019 and allowed an avowed racist to lead the country as a result. And there have been very few consequences for those people. And exactly. Rekha Bailey, as a result of this, has been sacked. And in fact, not only that hypocrisy in terms of the injustice, you know, compared to what's, you know, the, the lack of punishment for those bureaucrats and Blairites named in the leaked report, but Keir Starmer couldn't even bring himself to call for the firing of Dominic Cummings, <laughs> who, who broke lockdown rules. You know, he broke the law and mm. Keir Starmer couldn't bring himself to sack uh, or call for the sacking of, of uh, Dominic Cummings. And he's yet, an as well. Yeah. And, and yet has, has instantly sacked um, this, this uh, uh, you know, uh, person in his own shadow cabinet for, for very minor uh, kind of trumped up charges as well. But that brings us on to this question of, of, you know, what exactly was the motivation behind the sacking? Because a lot of people on the left, the leading figures, you've had Len McCluskey, John McDonnell, Owen Jones, they've all kind of described this as an overreaction, you know, saying, oh, what RLB did wasn't anti-Semitism. You know, she's just trying to clarify these things. Why, why, why has this happened? And they're all acting a bit shocked. Um, you know, what, what do you think was really the motivation going on here? Uh, you know, should we be shocked that Keir Starmer has attacked the left? No, this is a very clear continuation of uh, an existing attitude to the left. I mean, Recalon Bailey's firing, in my opinion, uh, was impending um, in any event. She's been sidelined on the shadow cabinet from day one. It's very clear that her position was tokenistic. And we at Socialist Appeal said from the beginning that it was very clear that Starmer's unity rhetoric in the leadership 
election where he was trying to be everything to everyone, where he said that he embraced socialism and he supported Corbyn's policies and so on, uh, was, was a ruse. The majority of the members were on the left. He knew that. He knew he couldn't get elected unless he could uh, convince them that uh, he was on their side. But really, if you look at the people who even funded his election campaign, um, you know, people like uh, Wahid Ali, who was a close personal friend of Tony Blair, who was one of the 64 Labour peers who signed that Guardian ad accusing Corbyn of uh, anti-Semitism. The hedge fund manager, Martin Taylor, who funded Blairite groupings like Labour Together, Clive Hollick, um, you know, th this absolute rose gallery of hedge fund managers and capitalists and spin doctors and Blairite stooges. It was very clear who was behind Starmer, who wanted him to win. It was obvious that his unity rhetoric uh, was empty. And that was demonstrated pretty quickly uh, in his shadow cabinet selection. You know, you had, um, it was, his shadow cabinet was stuffed with right-wingers. You had characters like Rachel Reeves, who's the vice chair of the Labour Friends of Israel. This was a person, by the way, while we're talking about hypocrisy regarding racism, who said that Britain would explode into rioting if immigration wasn't curbed after Brexit. And then of course, you have people like Ian Murray and Lisa Nandy. Rebecca Long-Bailey was the only Mm. Uh, prominent left wing on the shadow cabinet. She was mm. a clear sop to the left. Mm. And um, that role's been expended now and she's been discarded. Uh, it was obvious from day one that Starmer had no interest in unity. The only unity that he and the Blairites behind him care about is unity on their terms. And those are terms set by the establishment to turn Labour into a toothless uh, party of the establishment that won't take on capitalism, that won't take on the, uh, the rotten system. Yeah, and it seems obvious, like you say, that he was never really concerned with the unity. And yet a lot of the left leaders have been appealing for unity still now. But meanwhile, as you say, no no repercussions for anyone in the Labour League to report. They've just appointed David Evans, uh, the new mm -hmm. General Secretary. I think he started the job today officially. Uh, officially. A, a Blairite figure who's 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 down on paper as, as hating democracy, as, as actively, uh, you know, refusing to, to implement democratic uh, procedures within the Labour Party. So, as you say, it builds up this clear picture that, that the right wing is not interested in unity, that they knew very well what they were doing with attacking uh, RRB, and that really this was a bit of a convenient excuse, basically, uh, in order to go on, on the offensive um, against RLB and against the left and, and as you say, purge that, that one remnant that, of the Corbyn movement that still exists within the shadow cabinet. But why do you think they've chosen this moment to go on the offensive? Is, you know, this, is, this is clearly a convenient excuse for something that was already planned. Um, but is, is there anything that's happened recently that you think has led to this? Well, obviously, the lockdown um, has been rather convenient for Starmer and the right because it means that local parties can't debate policy. So they basically can't hold the leadership to account, mm. which allows them to sneak things through um, and make moves and maneuvers unopposed. Um, and um, I think that Starmer and the right have also been emboldened by the full-throated support they've received from the capitalist press, from the establishments. I mean, every time Keir Starmer goes on PMQs, the papers are just plastered with headlines saying, oh, he waved a PowerPoint slide at Boris Johnson. It was forensic, it was ingenious. He's turning uh, down in, you know, um, the, the commons into his own courtroom. Um, and uh, there's been a bit of a, a boost for Starmer personally, and also uh, for Labour, as the Tories' own um, support amongst the public has tanked. And that's due to 
Boris and the reactionary clique around him, who I think went into this lockdown full of hubris, you know, with a big majority, thinking they could get away almost quite literally with murder, uh, with their herd immunity um, strategy, um, and completely bungled their response to the COVID-19 pandemic, costing the lives of um, over 50,000 people, probably far more than that, actually. And as a result of that, um, their popularity has, has, has tanked. And I think that the capitalist establishment, um, the, the main section of the capitalist establishment, never really much liked Boris Johnson and his lot. Mm. They thought they were loose cannons. They certainly didn't like Dominic Cummings, and that was very clear after Cummings' gate. They thought they were, they were uncontrollable, unreliable, whereas Keir Starmer, uh, he prides himself and presents himself as being a statesman. He's reasonable. He's someone the establishment can count mm. on. And he's getting this glowing press, which coupled with the Tories um, suffering, as I've said, has um, given Labour and Starmer a boost. And that's increased their confidence. And as a result of that confidence, they feel they can act more boldly because this is a very audacious provocation. They knew exactly what this would mean. Um, and I think that it's also worth pointing out that they've been allowed to get away with this because of a mm. long-standing policy by the leaders of the left to bend over backwards to make concession after concession mm. to the right wing in the name of unity. Um, and I think that that really was the, the, the main issue that um, drove um, uh, Jeremy Corbyn into defeat, the, this unwillingness mm. to take on this wrecking Blairite wing within, within the party, uh, which now feels itself to be in the driver's seat and is able to you know, press the attack uh, more and more boldly. But even now, even after this latest provocation, Rebecca mm. Long-Bailey herself basically said, mm. uh, I don't want anyone to criticize um, the, the way that I've been treated because what we need now is unity. It's yeah, literally yeah. like she's been knocked to the ground and she rolls over and asked to be kicking the teeth. I mean, and clearly hasn't learned anything from the last few years that, you know, weakness invites aggression. And, and yeah, as you say, McDonnell and Corbyn, unfortunately, one of the big things they did do for years was accept the the smears of anti-Semitism, accept all the blame and 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 even blame for the election defeat. Meanwhile, the critics were just continuing to kind of stab them in the back or even in the front in the case of uh, Jess Phillips. And like you say, actually, RLB has continued that not only recently with the, uh, you know, as you say, kind of rolling over, having been sacked, kind of uh, just, you know, uh, seemingly just accepting that without any resistance. I saw uh, Len McCluskey has made similar noises about we need to unite the party now and, you know, still making those kind of overtures. But this was also the main theme in her election campaign, her leadership election campaign, where she was, you know, accepting the board of deputies pledges and all of these sorts of things, which was basically a charter for, you know, a purge against the left. So yeah, and it seems like the a lot of uh, what's happened here in terms of RLB is almost kind of making her bed and now she's having to lie in it. Yeah, and that also goes for the likes of John Landsman, you know, the uh, former um, self-appointed leader for Mensen, who ran Long Bailey on a joint left ticket, so-called, that he imposed on the Mensen's membership, even though it was very clear quite early on that Rayner wasn't on the left and she was really running on a joint right ticket with Starmer. Um, and now Rayner, in the aftermath of all this, hasn't said a word. I mean, so much for the socialist sisterhood. I mean, these two were, were painted as being this like left-wing uh, dream team by Momentum's leadership at the time. And uh, Reina has very clearly aligned herself with Starmer and the right. Um, and in terms of this inability to 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 appease the right, um, I mean, yeah, as you say, signing the uh, Board of Deputies 10 pledges hasn't helped Long Baby now. And in fact, it's a really good um, example of the way that the right will just push and push harder and harder, more and more audaciously whenever they feel they can, whenever weakness is shown, 
Um, the shadow Welsh secretary, Nia Griffith, has come out saying that anyone who defends Long Bailey is also an anti-Semite. And that applies to potentially thousands upon thousands mm. of party members. It applies to John McDonnell. I mean, it, it, it's a really quite bold move. And rather yeah. than calling out the hypocrisy and cynicism of the Blairites, uh, the leaders of the left keep suing for unity, where you know yeah. the, the only unity the right are interested in is unity on their terms, as I said. Yeah, and I should say, actually, there's a lot of people watching on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter right now watching this live. So thank you to everyone who's watching. We've had quite a few comments in the in the YouTube chat and in Facebook. A few people saying, you know, oh, joking, are we going to get expelled for putting on this show? And I would say to people who are watching this, like, don't worry about expulsions. Like, we need to worry about getting organized and fighting back. We cannot roll over and accept this. Uh, you know, we can't just take this lying down. The, the the best form of defense is an offense, and we need to really be going on the offensive against the Blairites. Get organized. There's more of us than there are of them, and uh, we we just need to get organized and show the same determination that they do. Now, one of the things you mentioned just earlier that would be good to discuss a bit more is, is this shift to the right that we've seen within the party over the last few months under Starmer, you know, during this pandemic period. Uh, and in fact, what you know, it seems to have become a, a bit of a theme, a bit of a, a specialism for you and your writing for Socialist Appeal is all the kind of flip-flopping and the supposed forensic opposition that Starmer has shown, uh, which has amounted to very little opposition at all. Um, can you explain a bit of, of concrete detail, really, about what exactly we've seen in terms of the shift to the right inside the Labour Party? How has this expressed itself? I would say on every important question in what has been one of the most explosive periods um, in, in recent political history, you know, where mired in possibly the biggest crisis of capitalism since the 1930s, possibly even deeper, Keir Starmer has sided with the establishment, with the forces of the status quo, against the left of his own party, against ordinary workers and against the oppressed time and time again. You know, um, when, when COVID first hits, he refused to attack the Tories when they were literally spending the lives of, or willing to spend the lives of thousands and thousands of vulnerable people, of key workers, in order to preserve profits as far as possible. Um, he was providing only constructive opposition, basically helping the government to get through this crisis rather than pointing out uh, their obvious limitations and providing an alternative, a socialist um, program, a set of socialist policies that could actually address the needs and concerns of people facing this terrible disease. Uh, and there've been a number of rightward policy shifts. Um, just off the top of my head, you had um, the U-turn on the situation in Kashmir, where Starmer basically left the Kashmiri people out to dry, who were currently facing terrible oppression at the hands of the reactionary government of Modi. Um, he watered down um, conference policy on rent relief. Um, he supported the Tories early on on the question of lifting the lockdown. He was actually mm. talking about getting the schools open, which is a first step towards mm. ending the lockdown and bringing um, profits back in. Before the Tories were, the Tories told him off for pushing too hard and too fast early yeah. on about opening the schools. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now, of course, he supports the government ending the lockdown, uh, cautiously, but still he supports the government's ending the lockdown. Do you as think you say, also, Joe, do you think that, sorry to interrupt, do you think that is also a reason then for behind RLB's sacking, the fact that she was siding 
with the teachers, with the NEU, the, the National Education Union, over this question and of, of the schools reopening and, and was actually even encouraging Labour supporters not to send their kids back to school. Uh, well, well, meanwhile, the, the Labour leadership is really trying to encourage the economy to get going as quickly as possible, including the schools as part of that. Do you think that was also a factor behind her sacking? I do. I do think that was a factor behind her sacking. Uh, you know, it's very much to Rebecca Long Bailey's credit that she stood with the teaching unions in demanding that schools not open until safety could be guaranteed for pupils and for teachers. Um, and Starmer's new appointment, Kate Green, is already being praised by the right-wing press as someone who can take on the teachers' unions. And she's promised to get schools open as soon as possible, in her words. So no talk of, you know, uh, meeting the demands and um, addressing the concerns of education workers and protecting um, their well-being, but getting schools open as quickly as possible as part of any of the lockdown and getting the profits rolling back in, getting the economy going. Mm. Because that's what it's all about, ultimately. Um, yeah. The, the right-wing Labour Party represent the interests of capitalism in the mm. Labour Party, and they're responsive to pressure from the, um, the leaders of the capitalist system mm. in order to hold the working class back on the one hand, uh, to hold them down, but also um, to, to do their bidding and to, to serve the system. And Stalin has proven himself very willing to do that. And I think in relation to this particular controversy around racism, his approach to the Black Lives Matter protests yes. have been particularly disgusting. Yes. Um, I mean, his response to, um, you know, radical youth and workers toppling statues of slave traders traders was uh, tepid at best and then he backed the tories over seeking 10-year prison sentences for people graffitiing the statues of winston churchill i mean it's it's really yeah. disgusting this is the biggest anti-racist movement in, in a very long time it's extremely radical it's mm. you know it ignited a huge amounts of passion and, and energy against racist um state violence um, mm. It's brought all sorts of demands to the fore. Labour should be at the absolute forefront of this movement, offering a complete solidarity and a programme to end the material basis for racism, which lies in the uh, decrepit capitalist system. Definitely. And, and in fact, this is linked to some of the comments on, uh, on the YouTube live stream where we've had a couple of comrades uh, saying, you know, is the uh, is Starmer's approach towards the BLM movement linked to this RLB sacking? And I think, as he said, yes, it's all very clearly interlinked, which is that the right wing, you know, does wants to be seen as the respectable establishment. They don't want to be on the side of activists on the streets toppling statues. They want to be on the side of the establishment, which is racist, which is pro austerity, all of these sorts of things. And so, yeah, I think, as you said, the, the, the fight against racism and the fight against the Tories, you know, it is all interlinked and, and the right wing of the Labour Party is not going to take that fight. They're, they're, they're basically looking to join a national government. But, you know, Starmer begging to do this. So, yeah, I think uh, what you've outlined is is uh, is very clear. Um, now, as you say, uh, grassroots members in particular are very frustrated that they can't fight back at the moment because of the lockdown, CLP meetings and other forms of democracy and, and accountability have been shut down for some time now and there's no sign of these things coming back. And in fact, uh, on uh, Socialist.net today, we had an article going up online uh, about why we need to be demanding digital democracy and online meetings uh, in the meantime to, to, to hold the leadership uh, to account. Um, but what do you think the left can be doing during this period, you know, how can we get organised and 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 fight back against this shift to the right that's going on within the party? Mm. 
Well, I think there's plenty we can do. Uh, I think it's completely scandalous that party meetings that are held online can't debate policy. You know, if the NEU can hold a Congress with 20,000 members over Zoom and debate policy, then CLPs, where ordinarily you have, you know, maybe 50 people, maybe 100 on a good day, there's no reason they can't debate policy as well. So I think the local groups absolutely should be pressuring um, for online meetings to be able to debate and discuss policy and to hold the leadership to account, especially given um, the events that we've seen in the last period. Um, but I think aside from that, um, Labour members, um, socialists in the Labour Party should spend their time organising the left online and building the political level, building the level of political education in the party. I mean, um, given the depth of the crisis we're facing, you could see you know, a, a million small business going under, potentially a third of British people losing their jobs, the greatest crisis of capitalism and living memory. There's absolutely um, scope and there's a, there's a desperate need, in fact, for Labour members to talk about uh, common ownership, to speak about Clause 4, talk Definitely. about taking the commanding heights of the economy under our control, talk about presenting a programme that could actually protect people from the consequences of this lockdown and ensure the Tories don't try to force the burden of coming out of lockdown onto the working class's shoulders. So there's that dimension. Um, in terms of organising the left, there's also the momentum um, NCG elections that are currently, I think, just finishing actually uh, today or tomorrow. And this is an opportunity for the left to discuss what's gone wrong in the past, to regroup and talk about the way forwards. In my view, the socialist campaign group of MPs uh, should be taking the lead on this and, 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 and other questions. I mean, they're yeah. really the last standard bearers for the, for the left and the PLP. Um, and I think they should be firming up a proper left opposition inside the PLP to represent members mm. uh, in the belly of the beast, if you like. Mm. And this can be the basis then for fighting local battles as the lockdown, a lockdown lifts and CLPs begin to meet up again and hold AGMs. And uh, critically, there are uh, NEC elections coming up. But at the moment, the right has the balance of power on the NEC. It's very, very important that the left get its act together and ensure that uh, we deny them that majority. Because at the moment, you know, the right has the leadership, it has the majority, of the vast majority of the PLP, and it has the NEC. Mm. I mean, that's contributing to the confidence that leads Starmer to feel he can get away with moves like this without any consequences. Mm. So there's plenty that members can be doing in the meantime. Yeah, and I think it's important to remind ourselves, as you just mentioned, of how far actually we've come over the last five years, how much the Labour Party has been transformed, because you think back to the Ed Miliband days and it was a dire situation. There was no, there was barely any left to speak of within the Labour Party in terms of the number of MPs, the organisation on the ground. Now we've got a situation where I'd say the majority of CLPs are actually dominated by the left. There's clearly more left wingers uh, than there are right. It's it, you know, Starmer had to rely on this kind of vacuous unity call to get elected and the, and the tiredness of the left, if you like, to get elected. And as you said, also, the, 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 what's gone on within Momentum, the fact that we have Momentum now, we have an organised left. And there's the important thing, right, like you say, is to learn where did that go wrong, really? Where did, the, uh, where did the Momentum kind of movement, the Corbyn movement come unstuck? And I think that debate really has to happen on the back of these Momentum elections. Have to, we have to say, you know, the Landsman clique really screwed things up with their attempts to compromise and their attempts to uh, kind of appease the right wing instead of going on the offensive. You know, the unions and landsmen, they blocked calls for open selection, which are absolutely vital uh, for holding these right wingers to account. And that's something that we should still be uh, in the party fighting for. So I guess that that just brings me on really to the final question that I wanted to ask tonight, which was, 
what should we be saying to left-wing activists who are feeling a bit demoralized by these events? Because I think having that sense of perspective of how far we've come is obviously important. Uh, and a lot of people are, obviously, they, they've seen over the last few months big defeats in terms of Labour defeated at the election, RLB defeated at the Labour leadership uh, election, and obviously in the last few weeks and months, this shift to the right in the party. Understandably, that's caused a lot of demoralisation and people very frustrated and, and ripping up their cards, potentially leaving the party. What should we be saying to left-wing activists about the way forwards? That's, that's what a lot of people are asking in the comments right now. How should we uh, be uh, appealing to, to, to these people uh, in order to, 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 you know, to, to, to stay and fight, if you like, in terms of fighting for socialism? What, what's the perspective uh, ahead of us? Well, I completely understand the sentiments that um, those people feel. I, I'm completely sympathetic, in fact, to those who are leaving the party in frustration. I appreciate that on the surface, things look pr pretty glum. You know, on the one hand, you've got you've gone from Jeremy Corbyn to a leader that's putting up less opposition than you know professional footballers and even Piers Morgan. And on the other hand, you've got the right appearing to win uh, every meaningful battle. You had a very bad general election defeat as well. Um, and there's definitely a lot of demoralization and there's a sense of where do we go from here. But I think it's really important to remember that this was never going to be a one-act drama. And this fight isn't over. You know, the Corbyn movement was a revolution. It transformed the party from top to bottom. To this day, the overwhelming um, bulk of the party membership are on the left. They support Corbyn's policies. Um, they support um, left-wing policies. Um, and the right wing wants people um, on the left to leave. They want to strengthen their grip over the party as far as they can. Um, and I think that in the next period, the party is going to be transformed and retransformed. There are going to be many, many battles. There are going to be ebbs and flows. Um, and I'd say that the events of the last period have also hardened up activists to the reality of the tasks ahead. I mean, it's very clear that um, there will be no quarter given by the right wing. As you say, they're resolute. They're very clear in what they seek to do. Mm. And we mm. have to be as resolute. And mm. I would say that if there had been a, um, a, a powerful, um, you know, numerically strong Marxist tendency within the Labour Party back in 2015, 2016, even 2017, it could have tipped the balance. It could have pointed mm. the way forward. It could have shown, look, these people have, we, we can't, we don't need a call to unity with the right wing. What we need is a call to arms. What we need is mm. an open struggle with these wreckers, these traitors who only want to prevent the left from controlling labor in order to carry out a transformative socialist program. We need an open struggle against these people. We cannot reconcile with them. They will never reconcile with us. And one thing I will say is uh, to Keir Starmer's credit, he's made that very clear. The gloves are off now. There's no ambiguity. There's no more talk of unity. Oh, there can be no more sensible talk of unity. The right wing has um, made it very clear what it intends to do. It's obvious to me that a new purge is impending. I mean, aside from Bethel on Bailey's firing, you also had the, um, uh, the persecution of the Wave Tree 4 in Liverpool, uh, which is another example mm. of the uh, right wing exploiting uh, false charges of anti-Semitism to get their way. Mm. And I would say that if you are a socialist in the Labour Party, and especially if you joined or were re-energised by the Corbyn movement because you want to transform society, because you want socialism, because you want to put an end to this rotten system, 
then join us. Because what we're trying to build is precisely that missing ingredient, the powerful Marxist tendency that will fight for genuine socialist ideas inside the Labour Party, but also outside of it. You know, there are going to be new battles. There already are new battles going on in the trade unions. I mean, we saw the... Um, the movement of the teachers. Uh, the teachers union has you now increased its membership considerably on the basis of the struggle over opening schools. There'll be new battles to come um, and there's going to be uh, new eruptions in the student movement and we've already seen this massive international struggle over racism and state violence and the Black Lives Matter. I mean what we're entering into is a period of profound tumults, of profound crisis and more than ever what is needed is a Marxist tendency in the labour movement that can point the way forward. So I would make an appeal to anybody watching this who's thinking of uh, leaving the Labour Party or is just generally demoralised with the state of the left as it stands, join us because we're trying to fight to change the world. That's an excellent place to end for tonight, Joe. I think that's exactly what we need right now is, as you say, not these hollow calls for unity with the Blairites, the right wing, but a call to arms, a call to join the fight for socialism. And as you say, a call to join socialist appeal, the Marxist tendency, the Marxist voice of labour and youth that, have, you know, we've been there. We've been on the streets and we are on the streets fighting in the Black Lives Matter movement, in the student movement, in the trade unions, in the communities, against the Tories, against all this racism and oppression, against the Blairites and obviously against capitalism. So thank you very much for joining us tonight and for, for helping us uh, explain and, and discuss what needs to be done in the period ahead. And uh, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you on the barricades, comrade. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Marx's Voice. You can subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes, or any major podcast provider, or visit our website at www.socialist.net. And if you're able to, please donate or subscribe online and help support us in the struggle for socialism.